Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, and live now on ESPN to Courtney Crone and Harry Douglas sitting in for the guys on this Monday after Christmas. Hope you and yours had a very merry, happy holiday. Hope that you have all the gifts that you wanted. And if not, today is a good time to hit up the stores because you know those return lines won't be long or anything. Keyshawn J. Will and Max is presented by Progressive Insurance. You can join the conversation this morning by hitting us up on the Dr. Pepper call in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. What are your biggest takeaways from the NFL and NBA weekend? Good morning, Harry. How are you doing down there in Atlanta? Listen, Court, I'm doing very, very well. Early morning, the day after Christmas, but my kids are happy. I was walking around. I woke up this morning, right? You know what? And I went to sleep before the rest of my family because my kids are up playing with their toys. My nephew's over here. And I woke up and walked through the living room and the kitchen area, and I said, my goodness, there's going to be a lot of cleaning after we're done with this show today, Courtney. I got, I got to teach my kids to clean up a little better because what they did last night was horrible. What did they do that was so bad? I mean, ripping open gifts, that's what you expect, yes? <laughs> but just about, they, so my wife didn't let them open every toy. I think they each got to open eight toys apiece. But it's like all eight of the toys are all over the living room, the kitchen. <laughs> and it's like they just went up and took their bath. And we got a new bunk bed. So that, that, that's amazing. They're, they're slept in their bunk beds and everything. So they're excited about that. So looking forward to them being in their bunk beds a lot more. All right. So maybe, yeah, maybe they'll be taking some naps here soon so you can get the house cleaned up. Because I know you're going to have a busy week here. <laughs> Also filling in throughout the rest of the week on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. But let's get to the slate of NBA games that happened yesterday. We had five of them all on our airwaves, ABC and ESPN. Suns Nuggets. Nuggets was the that was the nightcap game, 128-125. Before that, the Golden State Warriors, no matter how injured they were, they took care of business against John Morant and the Grizzlies, 123-109. Bucks Celtics, potential rematch of the game or rematch of the game that we saw last year, potential foreshadowing match of the Eastern Conference Finals this year. Celtics took care of business in that one, 139-118. Lakers-Mavericks, for as injured as the Lakers are, they did keep things close there down the stretch. Luka Doncic and the Mavs prevail, 124-115. And the morning slate, a close one, 119-112, the final for the 76ers over the New York Knicks. You're listening to Keyshawn J. Willemax on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. This NBA Monday morning roundup is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone. AutoZone. So what were you more in tune with yesterday? Was it that noon slate of games in the NBA? Was it the wild finish that we saw and Tua throwing interceptions, the tale of two Tuas uh, in the Green Bay Packers-Dolphins game? Or was it anything that you saw in the later slate of NFL games, Harry? 
Listen, I was watching the NBA and the NFL yesterday. You know, I was trying to, you know, do multiple things at one time, along with playing with my kids and fixing toys and putting toys together. But, Court, I think the thing the thing that stood out to me is three things, right? And I'm even going to throw, you know, the Thursday night football game into this because that was the weekend to me as well, even though it's technically not. And if you have New York in front of your team's name, it wasn't a good weekend for you, starting with the New York. Jets and my goodness what mad dog say my gosh how horrible was Zach Wilson 9 for 18 uh, I think it was like 91 to 92 yards one interception got beat bits for Streveler Streveler came in looked a little better than actually uh, Zach Wilson did but the crowd booing him furthermore lets you know that Zach Wilson's time in New York might be coming to an end but secondly I'm going to go with the New York Giants uh, just a great game between them and the Minnesota Vikings yesterday only for it to end on a 61-yard field goal by Greg Joseph and the Minnesota Vikings winning that football game. And then last but not least, we're going to take it to the NBA because this is for Russ Fisher, right? Russ Fisher at Seaport who does a lot, right? Russ has a this thing that he wants to text me every time the Knicks win. And he texts me Merry Christmas yesterday. And I text him back, Russ, I said Merry Christmas to you also. What a hell of a Knicks loss. He was like, see, that's cold-blooded. That's, that's, that's low down. I said, no, Russ. You decide you want to text me every time they win, so I'm going to let you know when they lose. So for the state of New York, this weekend, Christmas weekend, wasn't a good one for your sports team. Sorry. Yeah, I understand that. That's a good place to start, and I'll go back to that Giants game, Harry, where we saw something, again, the Minnesota Vikings upping the ante on themselves, where you don't think that they, all of these one-score games are going to pan out the same way, that they might actually be on the losing end of those, but when that game gets to 24-24 and they have Greg Joseph line up for a 61-yard field goal and the Giants had put uh, a returner back on special teams in the event that that kick fell short and for a chance to run that thing back, well, no chance was needed because he went straight through the uprights and as you see there on the TV, he was carried off in a hero's fashion. Just wild stuff from this Vikings team and I don't know what this means as far as the Vikings in, in the postseason and whether we can actually go ahead and give them credit and, and like stand behind that. To me, this is still a team that's keeping things way too close in games. They allowed Daniel Jones to throw for 334 yards. I don't think that they've fixed all of what ails them on defense, but they've been able to, you know, they, they did what I didn't think they were going to do, which typically after these emotional high wins that they get, like the one that they had against Buffalo earlier this season, what happened that next game? They came out and laid an egg against Dallas at home. Now, in this game coming off the emotional win against the Indianapolis Colts the week before. They kept things close, but they looked more like the version of the Minnesota Vikings that we had seen throughout the rest of the season, where they didn't mind keeping things close because they knew offensively at the end of the day the playmaking ability of Dalvin Cook, of Justin Jefferson, of Kirk Cousins throwing the ball right where he needs it to be, that that would be what it would take for them to put themselves in position at the end of games to win, and this time it came down to the 61-yard field goal from Greg Joseph to get Minnesota to 12 and 3 on the season, one step closer towards 
home field in the postseason. They're still eyeing that number one seed. The San Francisco 49ers are eyeing that number one seed. Both teams sit respectively two and three in the NFC playoffs at the moment. We want you to be part of Keyshawn J. Will and Max Nation on the Dr. Pepper call-in line. Call us 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. ESPN Nation is presented by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season or wild NFL season without the delicious taste of an ice cold Dr. Pepper, the one that fans deserve. Taking your calls here on the Dr. Pepper call-in line all throughout the morning, your biggest takeaway from the Christmas Day slate of NBA games and the Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, maybe even do what Harry did and go Christmas Eve, Eve, Eve on the uh, Giants and Jaguars front. Uh, Biggest takeaways from the slate of games we had this weekend. Matt in Atlantic City, you're on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max. What do you got? Hey, good morning, guys. I'm just driving into work. Hope you guys had a great uh, Christmas holiday. As a Giants fan, I'm going to say this, Harry and Courtney. The, my Giants played their best game of the season. Granted, they lost on a heartbreak, 61-yard field goal. Greg Joseph, tell me about it. I'm watching the game. I'm like, miss that field goal. But I'm not a fan of the Wink Martindale. He blitzed. But on 39 there, look at it. Justin Jefferson, he's going to get the ball. And Kayvon Thibodeau, if you look at that, he was getting ready to blitz. He backs up. He's going after Justin Jefferson. They just made a great block offensively. Um, my Giants played their best game of the season, in my opinion. Um, I saw them throughout the season. I went to London. I went to Dallas. Uh, big Giants fan here. they got to beat the Colts. And if they beat the Colts this Sunday, New Year's Day, they're going to make the playoffs for the first time since 2016. Granted, you know, they've been overachieving this season with the roster. You know, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, the heart of that team. They don't have really a wide receiving core, but their defense and coaching, pretty much rallied around them the entire season and uh, 20, they haven't made the playoffs since 2016 so uh, I'm looking forward to this New Year's Day game you guys have a great one Matt thanks so much for the call here and I was looking through the seeding Harry in the NFC right now Giants are the 6th seed Washington currently mm-hmm. holding on to the 7th seed so it feels like they'll be fine really they just need to win one more which as Matt had brought up they've got that Colts game coming up next week and then Philly to end the year and we don't know what shape Philly's going to be in if they end up clinching the number one seed next week when they play the Saints. Maybe they rest their starters, but again, I don't think you're resting your starters going into the playoffs when that last game comes down to a divisional opponent. No, especially with Jalen Hurts being hurt right now. So if he's able to get back to playing football, they want to be able to see him stay in the groove that he's been in the entire season. So I don't see him sitting out that last game. And the Colts is not going to be an easy out as well with the simple fact that their defense has been playing lights out football this entire year. So uh, looking forward to that being not an easy game for the Giants, but one they definitely can't win. All right, speaking of the NFC East, did the Cowboys prove that they are a Super Bowl threat with the way they handled the Eagles in Week 16? We'll get into that next. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. 
big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The wild one down in the D on Saturday. The Cowboys staving off the Philadelphia Eagles from locking up the NFC's number one seed. A 40-34 to 34 final in an absolute wild shootout that took place on Christmas Eve. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Also live right now on ESPN2. He's Harry Douglas. I'm Courtney Cronin. We're sitting in for the guys and as always pre- presented by Progressive insurance. So as you take a look at this game and what what the expectation was surrounding Dak Prescott coming in, Harry, we're wondering are these turnovers going to become a trend? Because for somebody who hasn't thrown a lot of them in each season throughout his career, he's thrown 10 since week 7, and it felt like it was a little alarming. But Dak Prescott, aside from the pick 6 that was really ugly and, and one I know that he would want back, he gets, deserves a lot of credit for this win. Threw for 347 yards, 3 touchdowns, and he did that all against the number 1 pass defense in the NFL. Yeah, I just thought Dak played one of his better football games of his career, Courtney, against a tremendous defense in the Philadelphia Eagles. And I'm going to go to early on in that ball game when they're down 10 to zip, right? Right after the pick six that he threw that we just seen on the screen here, if you're watching on ESPN2, Dak stayed cool, calm, and collected. Uh, He had a third and five situation on that next drive. He utilized his legs to pick up the first down. He also had another third and five after that in which Maddox came on a blue and I thought he was about to sack Dak Prescott, but Prescott did a great job staying up and delivered uh, the ball to Michael Gallup for a first down. Now on that same drive, Ezekiel Elliott ended up scoring a rushing touchdown, so Dak did a great job of orchestrating things from the pocket and figuring things out on third down. But then you go on the, the, the very next drive and Jerry on curse gets an interception, right? They have a fourth and eight situation. Uh, you get a holding penalty on Darius Slay, on T.Y. Hilton, but then on the third and six, you see Dak Prescott at the moment right now on the screen hitting T.Y. Hilton, excuse me, hitting C.D. Lamb for another touchdown. But then you get to the mid of the third quarter, right? And it's 27 to 17. And the game actually could get out of hand at that moment. And 
the field, uh, Cowboys go down, score a field goal. Great job by Dak orchestrating things, but he never gave up. But then you now you get a Jerry on curse fumble recovery. Dak Prescott has a third and goal situation. He keeps the play alive by using his legs and hits Michael Gallup for another touchdown. But then you have the moment where they're down 34 to 27, and Dak got sacked twice. And you're thinking on third and 30, right? If, the, if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, we just got to stay deeper than whatever receiver that they send deep. And the safety did a horrible job. And no, that's not Darius Slay's fault on that because if you have a safety over the top of you and it's too high, that safety is supposed to get the, have the widest receiver and also the deepest. He took a bad angle and T.Y. Hilton made a hell of a catch, but it was also a hell of a throw by Dak Prescott. And great job by Kellen Moore, Dak Prescott, T.Y. Hilton, everyone on that offense, not just say, you know what, we're going to fold in the towel and throw things in because it's third and 30. I just thought it was a great situation. Uh, great play by Dak, great play by T.Y. Hilton, and also a great call uh, by their offensive coordinator, uh, Kellen Moore. So Dak Prescott, for me, orchestrated from the pocket very, very well. He got sacked multiple times, but he never flinched, even though he was being sacked uh, over and over again. And I just thought for the first time in a long time, we've seen Dak utilize his legs in the correct manner, right? Picking up first down, scrambling when he needs to, buying more time for his wide receivers to get open, and also his favorite target, C.D. Lamb, uh, in which the Philadelphia Eagles had no answer for, had a hell of a game as well, Courtney. He sure did. 100 receiving yards for C.D. Lamb in the first half. That's what helped erase that 11, 10-point deficit. And for Dak Prescott to rebound in a way, especially after that early interception that you had mentioned, to play as poorly as possible to start out, and then by the end of the weekend, go down as one of the quarterbacks who had the best game of Week 16. He did it without did it without you know much of the help from the running game. Sure, Ezekiel Elliott was able to, to chip in here a little bit, but didn't get much from Tony Pollard. He also got sacked six times along the way. Dak was not the issue. I mean, this is an ugly game, and there are a multitude of reasons for that. But on the other side of this, I think you can say, okay, you're confident with what, that Dak has this bounce-back ability, that what we saw against da- against the Houston Texans and then the Jacksonville Jaguars, maybe that those were kind of the outliers and the anomalies instead of things that would lead you to believe that's going to be an issue going forward. But how about that defense, Harry? I mean, you have to look at the, the change of what happened in the tone of the game when the this Dallas defense forces four turnovers against the Eagles, and all of that results in 20 points. Yeah, it all started with Jerry on Curse, right? Uh, Gardner Minshew decided he wanted to come over to the middle of the football field late, and Jerry on Curse had a one-headed interception, which, which was unbelievable. You had the rookie corner in Bland who got his fifth interception, taking the football away from Quez Watkins, as you see right now on the screen. Just a tremendous play, and if you're a wide receiver, you can't let that happen, but the most physical player, the person who wanted the football the most, came down with it. But then also you've seen some miscues, right, by the Philadelphia Eagles and Gardner Minshew and and, and Scott in the backfield not rolling over the football and, and getting a handoff. you also seen Sanders fumbling the football in a, in a crucial situation in the ball game. So that, that Dallas Cowboys defense, they've been, they've been doing this not just this year, but dating all the way back to last year, being able to create turnovers and feed off of it. It's just a great job by that defense, but also I will say this. 
Trayvon Diggs, teams are going to continuously, you know, I won't say pick on him, but they're going to continue to double move him because he's so aggressive in the pass game. And you've seen it early in the ball game with A.J. Brown. The Eagles hit a slant and go, which should have been a touchdown if A.J. Brown didn't uh, lose his, his footing. They ended up getting three points on that drive. And you also seen the touchdown to Devontae Smith. And, you know, you have two guys to the left side. You have a tight end coming over in the flat and understanding that Trayvon Diggs understand route patterns and plays that they normally run so he jumps up to try to guard the the flat the flat player but you know Devontae Smith is wide open for a touchdown on the back end so I think moving forward you know more teams are going to try to use uh, Trayvon Diggs aggressiveness against himself and that's ways that they can get big plays on this Dallas defense yeah and the stats support that Trayvon Diggs allowed four receptions on four targets as the nearest defender in that Eagles Cowboys game for 84 yards A.J. Brown caught all four of those targets. We're going to get into this game throughout the show here this morning on Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max. But coming up next, three of the biggest storylines from a huge weekend in the NFL, including whether the Packers have a legitimate shot to make the playoffs. That's next. Courtney Crone and Harry Douglas sitting in for the guys on KJM on ESPN and ESPN2. The Keyshawn, Jay, Will, and Max podcast. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit... Your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus, electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Courtney Cronin, Harry Douglas here on Keyshawn, J. Will and Max, ESPN Radio, ESPN Two, as always, presented by Progressive Insurance. All right, let's go no huddle here, starting with this Broncos-Rams game. As you heard there in the Sports Center update, Baker Mayfield leading this team to a win, putting up a 51-burger on the Denver Broncos. Harry, 
at this point, I'm wondering what the future's going to hold for the Denver Broncos, for everybody in the front office, for everybody on the coaching staff, the quarterback. Where do you want to start here in terms of what we've got to unpack? Because it feels like headed towards the end of this season, there's going to be a lot of changes that need to be made. Yeah, Courtney, I'm going to start with Russell Wilson in the quarterback position. And when the Denver Broncos made this trade, right, they thought they were getting a Hall of Famer, a guy that was clutch in crucial moments, a guy that could extend plays, a guy that can, you know, make a difference around these young offensive weapons that they do have. Russell Wilson has been everything but everything I just mentioned. He has not been a Pro Bowl-type uh, caliber quarterback. He has not been clutch, right? He has not, you know, bonded with these young weapons around him. And he hasn't played a great brand of football. And He actually is one of the main reasons why the Denver Broncos haven't had success this season. Three interceptions in that game yesterday versus the Los Angeles Rams is a big no-no. And you got to be thinking and wondering – the front office and everyone around the Denver Broncos, did they make a mistake giving Russell Wilson that money? Because I believe he got $165 million guaranteed. Um, I think that's what, if it's, that wasn't the main number, I think that's what's left on his contract. So they're, they're going to have some years with Russ, and I don't think they to just say, you know what, we're going to get rid of Russell Wilson because of the new contract, contract that they gave them. Me personally, if I would have traded for Russell Wilson, I would have made him play out this first year, and then I would have base a new contract off of this you know off of his play this season because I know right now the Denver Broncos are looking like man did we move too fast did we move too early and giving Russell Wilson this contract but then you look at the broad the broader picture they're probably looking like damn did we really have to trade for Russell Wilson we could have kept Drew Locke for all, for all <laughs> I'm saying if we went Russell how to work Russell's playing this season though yeah I mean you think about this contract five years 242 $2,588,000 contract that he signed with the Denver Broncos, which included a $50 million signing bonus. Now, if you were to look at this new billion-dollar ownership group, and if they say, hey, this is not the guy, we may not have the football acumen, but the eye test does not tell us that Russell Wilson is a quarterback that's going to be able to win here, then maybe you go the nuclear option and you cut the quarterback too. But Harry, you're right. This does feel like they're going to be changing changes coming pretty soon because there's two games remaining in the regular season whether that's Nathaniel Hackett being moved out of there after his first season whether it's George Payton the man who signed off on hiring Nathaniel Hackett after two seasons as a Denver Broncos general manager maybe he's out as well but you got to think about what happened here so for those of you who were either taking a Christmas nap in the middle of this game you saw how it started you say I don't really need to see how it finishes and then all of a sudden you see the backup, Brian Rippian, in the game at some point. It's because Russell Wilson you know, put forth one of his most damaging performances to date. He threw three interceptions, two of which came in his own territory in the first ten minutes of the game. So start, you want to talk about starting behind the eight ball. Russell Wilson was very much the reason for that. And on the other side of this, the one bright spot that has occurred in Denver this season is their defense. It's a unit that was one of the best scoring defenses in the NFL. 
NFL. Certainly didn't look like that, allowing Baker Mayfield and an injured Rams team that has kind of come together and leaned heavily on their running game. Cam Akers doing a terrific job with three rushing touchdowns on Sat on Sunday. 51 points allowed in this one. So do, while it feels like things are finally clicking at the right time for a very injured Rams team, I heard Baker Mayfield talking about the culture that was built long before he got there and why this thing has been sustainable and why guys have not given up at this point of the season. Not so sure the same can be said about the Denver Broncos on the other side of that. Captain Obvious, Nathaniel Hackett, talking about how, yeah, this team is pretty frustrated right now. I think that they're upset for all the losing. We all are. Oh, every one of us is it's unacceptable that's not what we're about that's not what we want to do we went in with this a mindset that we were going to be able to win this game but in the end we weren't ready we didn't do the things that we were looking to do and uh, in that case uh, it, it wasn't good enough and those guys know that they know it's all of us okay they weren't ready if it's one thing if like oh, harry help me here before i lose my mind that's one thing if players say we weren't ready for a head coach to say that they weren't ready when they had a game last sunday like so they, it's not like they're even like in the boat of the teams that had six days to prepare. They had a full normal week to prepare for this game, coming off a 24-15 win against Arizona. What does that say about the head coach when the head man is saying we weren't ready? It means you need to find a new guy that can get his football team ready in, in my eyes. And I'm never, I've never been an advocate of anyone losing their job. But the job that Nathaniel Hackett has done this year is not A+. plus. It's not A1. It's not winning football. It's not the standards when it comes to the Denver Broncos. And all I can think of is, is multiple times how you have, you know, Hall of Fame players that play with the Denver Broncos like Shannon Sharp expressing his frustration over and over again on how the Denver Broncos are playing. And for that defense, I'll say this. It's pretty deflating when you're going out game in and game out and you have to be in you know a sudden change situation because of the turnovers of the lack of what the offense is producing on the football field every single week at some point it's going to weigh on you and it's going to bring you down as well uh Nathaniel Hackett and he hasn't done a great job getting the plays in quickly hasn't did a great job at um game game like situational situational football so when you look at him at Patton right if you're going to let go one of them my ideal situation would say, why wouldn't you let go both of those guys? Because they came in together. Uh, you had the GM choosing the head coach. The head coach looked like he's far over his head, like this is entirely too much on him. But then you can't go in the postgame presser. Even if your team wasn't ready, I don't think I would say that. It's like you're asking to get axed and asking to, to you know move on and be fired. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. That's not something that you ever expect to hear from a head coach. I mean, players will often say, yeah, we didn't feel ready. We didn't know the game plan enough. The head coach, the guy who's coming up with the game plan and signing off on what the offensive coordinator and the defensive coordinator are going to do, uh, that can't come out of his mouth. That, to me, is an indictment and feels like we are, are we are at the beginning of the end or closer towards the end with Nathaniel Hackett not being the head coach in Denver next year. And the question, of course, will come if they end up keeping Russell Wilson because I'm about to read you these financials. They're tough. So, you know, to stomach these, however, you can, maybe a new voice, maybe a new head coach would be the one to help get the most out of Russell Wilson at this point, because think about what happened with Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. Doug Peterson taking him in his second year coaching matters. And there's been multiple other instances of this. Geno Smith in Seattle with, Russ, with, with Pete Carroll. 
obviously he's having a great season. Comeback player of the year, the front runner for that. Maybe coaching does matter more than we're putting this out to be because the Denver Broncos were clearly a team that thought they were going to be in the sweepstakes for Aaron Rodgers coming there. They miss out on him. Their next best option is Russell Wilson. In the contract they gave him, though, Harry, they're hamstrung by it. So he has option bonuses due in 2023 and in 2024. So those are converted into signing bonuses if you need to get like the cap number down. But if you cut him, if you straight up cut him in 2023, nuclear option, $107 million in dead money. I'm just trying to think how the Denver Broncos would be willing to do this. They have a new ownership group that may not care at the end of the day when they've seen how underachieving this team is is a 4-11 team. I mean, you could look to the post-June 1 designation without exercising the option. That means $77 million in dead money in 2023 and $30 million dead money in 2024. That's still not ideal. So these finances, if you want to go parse through them and drive yourself crazy, you will because you realize that they are hamstrung to this quarterback, like it or not. All right, Yates, what's next? Packers and Dolphins. So the Packers had everything break their way on Saturday. The Giants lost. The Commanders lost. Uh, they needed a, a help from out, outside help from others in the NFC to keep their playoff hopes alive. And all they needed to do, Harry, was go down to Miami and handle business. And they did. They ended up winning this game 26-20. to But they also got a little bit of help from whatever that was from Tua Tagovailoa in the second half where he played a great first half and then forgot how to throw the football or at least got too locked in on receivers where he made it so easy for Jair Alexander to go and pick off passes so much so that he was having quite a bit of fun with uh, his postgame interview getting really animated showing you exactly what he needed to do to trick Tua into throwing the ball to him. I'd like to be, uh, see, what are we, seven and eight? Yeah, I'd like to be, you know, 10 and five, 11 and four. <laughs> but considering uh, where we were a few weeks ago, a lot has happened in our favor. All the games that need to go a certain way went a certain way. Now there's obviously much, uh, much left. But again, we're going to be. We played meaningful games in December. We won all three of those. Now we're playing meaningful games in January. We got to win those. Okay, so Harry, if the Packers win out here, they have an 89% chance to reach the postseason. They've got two games remaining: one against Minnesota, and one, which they're favored in, which is kind of wild. Minnesota's a 12 and three team, and then one against Detroit to close out the season. So. I'm going to ask you this first. Do you believe in this iteration of the Green Bay Packers, not the one that started out earlier this season, stumbling its way through the early part of the schedule? Uh, I, don't, I don't. I can't sit up here and say I do with the simple fact that I look at a Miami Dolphins just blew a game yesterday on Christmas Day. It's not like uh, the Green Bay Packers did anything, you know, spectacular to get that win. It was Tua Tagovailoa. First of all, it started with Raheem Mostert and his fumble, and giving the Green Bay Packers life because you could have literally put the game away right there at that moment on that drive if he doesn't fumble that football. But then again, in the fourth quarter, you see Tua throw 
throwing three interceptions and no one knows who, who he's throwing to. The very last one, I know he was trying to go to the corner route, but the corner did a great job of tricking Tua to make him think he was going to follow the, the, the uh, five-yard under route and then sunk back and intercepted that football. And then you see, you know, the one to Raheem Mostert. He's probably expecting Raheem Mostert to look quickly for that football, but at the end of the day, if that's a wide receiver or a tight end, I understand your logic. You got to remember, that's a running back, right? And we say KYP, know your personnel and who's out there in the football field and what you expect of them. And then the other one that he threw to Jair Alexander, uh, trying to get the ball to Tyreek Hill, trying to force it in the middle of the football field with nothing but white jerseys being there, overshot it. Uh, but all those turnovers are really propelled the Green Bay Packers to get a win. But I'm not going to count them out because their last two games against the Minnesota Vikings, against the Detroit Lions, are at home. And both of those two teams that I just mentioned play in domes. And we all know the weather in Green Bay, in Appleton, Wisconsin, when you got, that's where you got to go stay. And then you drive into Green Bay, Wisconsin, and everyone's going to be out there shoveling snow. And you know the, the Green Bay faithful and their fan base is going to be there supporting because all they want to do is make the playoffs. And I'm not going to write off Aaron Rodgers, even though there were some throws in that football game that he didn't make, but then he also made some un- unbelievable ones as well. Courtney, I was on the bad side of an Aaron Rodgers in 2010 that squeaked into the playoffs, and I was with the Atlanta Falcons at the time in 13-3, and and they came into the Georgia Dome and blew us out and went on to win the Super Bowl that year. So I'm not going to put anything past Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay Packers right now. Yeah, and that's fair. I think that they're a team, when, you, when Aaron Rodgers talks and says he feels like things are looking up, you listen, you take that with a grain of salt, but the way that they were able to win this game, in yeah. spite of some questionable play calling down the end of the game where they end up instead of being able to score a touchdown they've got to kick that field goal like that second and 13 where that was a called run for A.J. Dillon up the middle of the field and he gets eight yards I didn't like that call you know I didn't like the third down call following that but what they were able to do is use Miami's mistakes against them because when they go up 26 to 20 there is two minutes on the clock left so right ahead it was right ahead of the two minute warning and then Tua throws that really ugly pick the third one of the day that Rasul Douglas was able to to come away with and just end the game effectively right there in that moment. That's when I think Tuanon started to, you know, they got really upset with people pointing out all of his flaws. And I just don't know. And I'm wondering if you can explain this to me. How did we go from seeing such a great Tua in the first half to someone who was locking in on specific spots of the field, not trying to improvise here or move around or give his receiver any or any other window to throw the ball to than what had happened. Like from your perspective, how did Tua fall off this drastically in the second half? Well, I would think, I would say, you know, when it's coming to it, right, and we got to remember coming into the season, it took Mike McDaniel, it took Tyreek Hill and all those guys to, you know, boost his confidence up because it's, 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 it's not a secret. Tua's confidence was shot uh, by the last coaching staff, by the last regime that was in there with the Miami Dolphins. So when you get to a point, right, when you've had, you know, two games that you had against the San Francisco 49ers and that number one defense, the game that you had against the Los Angeles Chargers, 
Chargers. And we had a very impressive one up in the cold weather against the Buffalo Bills, but you still came out with a loss. When things start to go bad and you had that first pick, you know, sometimes doubt can creep into your mind. And then you start saying to yourself, you know what, I can't be the reason why my team loses. I got to be the reason why we win, the reason why we make plays. And you go out there, you're trying, you know, a little bit more harder than you should be. Um, and you're making Aaron throws, that's when things start to mis- uh, start to happen. That's when the mistakes start to lie in. Because he did a, did a phenomenal job in the first half. But also, we got to give the Green Bay Packers defense, too, uh, a, a lot of credit. Devondre Campbell coming up with that interception, reading the eyes of Tua and getting over there and picking that ball off. Or Sue Douglas, like I just said, baiting them to throw that corner route. But that five-yard under route was wide open, and Tua could have just dumped it off. And you got to know, you know, that's pretty much what the corner is going to be able to do. And then Tyreek Hill, the, the, the interception to him, there was some space there for him to get the ball, but Tua trying to be too careful with the ball and aim it versus just throwing with confidence. So I think that was some of the things that, you know, happened to Tua in that game in the second half. Playing a little no huddle here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. Courtney Cronin, Harry Douglas sitting in for the guys as always presented by Progressive Insurance. How about the Bills and the Bears? Man, this one was a cold one. I was play- I was yeah. at this game in Chicago this weekend, a 35-13 win for Buffalo. They lock up the AFC East this weekend, and they are marching towards that number one overall seed in the AFC East. They'll have a little competition, Harry, with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Cincinnati Bengals. But what takeaways do you have from seeing Josh Allen on a day where throwing conditions weren't the greatest? They lean on that run game, and man, they did. Did they ever figure out a way for that run game to become as potent as possible at the right time? Well, for the Buffalo Bills, I think the run game is a chess piece, right? Because when you get into playoff football, and I date back to last year, um, before the playoffs, when they had that game against the New England Patriots right at home, you had the windstorm, and it was cold, and you couldn't really pass the football effectively like you wanted to. That's when you're like, okay, we need to be a balanced offense, and we need to have this run game be a key component to our offense. You date back to this year, and and I think it's just a mindset of uh, the offensive coordinator, Ken Dorsey, and having a, you know, a weather game plan and a non-weather game plan and understanding that you know what when the weather is bad and it's cold outside and the receiver's hands are freezing and you know the wind can play a part in the way the football is moving and getting through the air and getting through to wide receivers you got to be able to rely on your run game and previous uh, previously before this it's been Josh Allen more so in the run game it was Devin Singletary and James Cook and Josh Allen all three of those guys uh, affecting the run game in a major way but for the Buffalo Bills moving forward Four, I think they can use this game as a as a confidence booster when it comes to their run game. And I think Ken Dorsey feels a, l- a lot more confident calling runs, right? Because offensive linemen, they'll be the first ones to tell you. They love to run block more so than they, than they love the pass block. Sometimes when you pass the football so doggone much, uh, maybe they can forget how to run block a little bit because you're doing it entirely too much. But I just think a great job by Ken Dorsey going into this football game, understanding that the weather and it was going to probably be in the negative degrees and what it could have been and actually what it was and resulting to the run game and not just relying on Josh Allen to be Superman in the past game. He allowed that run game to be effective and actually didn't stray away from it. 
He did. And the Bills finished with 254 rushing yards, their most in a game in exactly six seasons. So very clearly that's a weapon that they can utilize here going down the stretch of the season. They know that the Chicago Bears have a very porous run defense, so that's some good scouting on top of some good execution for the Buffalo Bills. This is Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Hit us up on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. We're taking your calls from Week 16 NFL action. What was your biggest takeaway of the weekend? Let's go out to Eric in Missouri. Eric, you're on ESPN Radio. Hi. Uh, yeah, I just I don't feel that Dallas is what everybody thinks they are. You know, I don't think they could get by in the playoffs, Philly or San Francisco. But I don't think they can beat any of the three teams, the big head monster in the AFC. I uh, just everybody makes all this hype about it. You know, they barely pulled that out with the backup quarterback in Philly. Eric, thanks for the call. I mean, Harry, the way that I look at it right now, if Dallas is, if this sticks, they can't be anything worse than the five seed in the playoffs. They'd be going to play the winner of the NFC South, which it could get wild here down the stretch. Right now it's Tampa Bay, but it very well could be Carolina. And they'd be going in as huge like favorites into a situation where they're playing a road playoff game. Is it time to believe in Dallas, or do you still have some trepidation like Eric? Well, no, I, I look at a game that the Dallas Cowboys won in a nail-biter, and actually, you know, the Philadelphia Eagles had the ball in Dallas territory at the 19-yard line to try to, you know, tie that game up um, at the end or actually go win it. But I would say this about Dallas. Um, they were facing a backup quarterback in Gardner Minshew, and you've seen a lot of mistakes from him. He also, you know, did some good things out there in the football field, but you can't sit up here and tell me if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback of that football team, the Philadelphia Eagles, that they wouldn't have won that game in the deciding factor, uh, deciding fashion. I truly believe that. Now, one of the things that the Eagles couldn't do that they've been able to do a, a great job of is rushing the football effectively. And when you have Jalen Hurts at quarterback, he is a guy that can do it in the run game. It's just a few times, man, when I seen Gardner Minshew trying to scramble, and I was like, oh, man, just throw that thing away. And you see Michael Parsons in that in that defense and that speed and quickness catching up to him. But then you also, you've seen a few of the mistakes that I just don't think Jalen Hurts would have made in that ball game. So uh, did Dallas really prove anything to me? No. I think the only thing that Dallas on the big scale they didn't prove anything. I think one thing they did prove is Dak Prescott is the quarterback more so than it is Cooper Rush because that was a game that if Cooper Rush was the quarterback Dallas would have lost that game by a lot of points because you needed the arm of Dak Prescott and Dak Prescott showing how cool, calm, and collected he was even when things wasn't going uh, in, the, in the right direction for the Dallas Cowboys showed me a lot but I will sit up here and say if Jalen Hurts was the quarterback of that football team the Eagles would have won that game I think in a deciding fashion. All right, real quick on that. It is Jalen Hurts, in terms of MVP conversation, which I know has nothing to truly do with the game because he didn't play in it, does he still remain the MVP favorite in your eye considering the fact that he didn't play in this game? For me right now, he's still the favorite. Now, I don't think Jalen Hurts can miss the rest of the football games this season and win it because of how Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes and those guys are playing. So he's going to have to play, uh, if not two of those games, at least one of them and have a hell of a showing. 
All right, coming up next, should we be believers in the Dallas Cowboy? We're going to have an analyst join us here on Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max get his take. And we're also going to continue to take your calls on the Dr. Pepper call-in line, 888-SAY-ESPN. We'll get to your calls on the other side of this. You're listening to ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max, the podcast. Check the guys out live weekday mornings from 6 to 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.